This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Change our nation. I believe it will. So how many of you can remember what I've been talking about? What am I talking about? Accessing the courts of heaven. So I, I began yesterday talking about things that hinder us in receiving a wealth transfer from the heavenlies into this domain. And I kind of belabored one point yesterday, and that point centered primarily around the idea of generational iniquities and sin that the devil uses in a legal court of law to hold you captive, to hold you in a place where he can bind you legally from receiving things from heaven. God is not withholding. God is a God of graciousness, and God wants to give. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God, the Bible says. It's his good pleasure to give it to you. But how many of you know that I can give you something? I gave the illustration of the $20 bill, but you have to access it. You have to make yourself available to get what God is giving. And if there is a legal barrier, no matter how much I want to give it to you, the law will not permit me to give it to you until you either get a ruling against that law, you get a verdict in your favor, or somehow you subdue your adversary on the legal platform. On some basis that can hold weight in a court of law. And so a lot of people don't realize what their prayers are doing. But your prayers are making representation to plead your case in the court of heaven against your adversaries, against those who would try to resist you, against those who would try to destroy you. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. But once you can plead your case, and the story of the importuning widow is a great example. She goes before an unjust judge, and that unjust judge gives her a verdict in her favor because of her persistently coming. But Jesus makes the parallel and says, how much more will, your, will you that are just before a just judge, a judge who wants to rule in your favor, get renderings, get judgments, get verdicts on your behalf? See, God wants you to know that he's on your side. He wants to answer your prayers, but we have to do this in such a fashion that he can answer our prayers. How many of you know that some of our prayer meetings are mindless. You know, I've been to some prayer meetings where people pray all night and they think that by their much praying, they're going to get their prayers answered. You'd done much better if you'd researched your prayer, studied, and went before the throne room to present your case in a way that the enemy cannot defeat you on the basis of the blood of Jesus and not by praying in tongues for, for seven hours. Not even knowing what you're praying for. Now, I'm not against that. I'm not saying that you... But the Bible says when you do that, you're building up your faith in your most... You're, you're building yourself up in your most holy faith. There's a number of reasons. You're praying mysteries. And I'm not saying that's not good. 
But sometimes I think we've replaced good thinking, good logic, and good study of, of our case before God and, and, and that, that we're not ready. And so we make up in thunder what we lack in lightning. I mentioned that there are different levels of courts. I think that's something you should study. And even in the natural system, there are certain lawyers that can't go to the Supreme Court. They're magist- they, 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 they do well at the magistrate level, but they, they're not allowed to present themselves at the Supreme Court level. There's a certain way you present yourself in different courts. But every one of us have access to the court of grace. He says, you can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in your time of need. Why? Because we have access by the blood of Jesus, and God wants us to go before that throne and plead our cases and undo the things that the enemy is coming against us on. So, I mentioned that, and I spent time on that yesterday. Today, I want to pick up my message. I've got two more big points, and then we'll try to close it out here in the next 30 minutes. The second thing is that the enemy uses to keep us from wealth and provision that is ours is through misappropriation of finances in our history. Misappropriation of finances in our history. In other words, someone in our bloodline or we ourselves were trusted or entrusted with wealth and we didn't steward it properly. The enemy uses that in the courts of heaven against us, saying, ah, 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 no, 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 no. They mishandled it, so they have, so I have the right to deny wealth from them because of the misappropriation of their past and the misappropriation in their bloodline, you cannot allow them access to wealth. Now, if, if you understand the scriptures, you're going to find that the laws in most nations, not in African nations, but in most nations, the laws about misappropriation is that if you are even being under investigation for a misappropriation, for a misuse of finance, a misconduct in finance, you are to recuse yourself, you are to step out of your position until such time as you are either vindicated or prosecuted. Or you recuse yourself from an investigation in a certain area until such time as that area is cleared. But not in Africa. Here you can steal with importunity. Haggai, the first chapter, verses 2 through 7. Bishop Mark mentioned this last night and did a very good job at uh, uncovering the power of your prophetic word, speaking. But I, I'd like to go back and, and just revisit this. It says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O you, to dwell in your sealed or your paneled houses and this house lie in waste? 
What's he saying? He says, is it time for you to live in your beautiful homes to build houses for yourself while the house of God lies in waste? While the temple, the things of the kingdom are in waste, you're building your own houses? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. You have sown much, but you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there's none warm. And he that earns wages earneth wages to put it into bags with holes. Thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. Well, what's he saying? It, it's, it, it, what, what, the, the, the point he's making is that the fact that because you misappropriated wealth, you are being denied wealth. So let me, let me, let me paint the, the picture here for you. What happened here with Haggai, he's prophesying to a group of people that went to the city of Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of the city and to rebuild the temple. They were given a grant. There was a transfer of wealth, a great transfer of wealth that they were given from a man named King Cyrus. Cyrus was an ungodly man, but God moved upon his heart for the people of Israel, the people of God. And he says, go back and build your temple. Go back and repair your city. And he says, I'm giving you a grant. All that you need to do it, I give to you. But instead of going back and building the house of God, doing what they were supposed to do, they went back and built their own houses. And the result was lack. Boy, I'll tell you what. If there's ever been a picture of Africa, this is it. Let me explain to you. This nation is the perfect example of this. We fought a liberation struggle. The whole world came and celebrated us and gave us gifts. We bought airline fleets. We bought all kinds of things. But where has the money gone? Where has the wealth of this nation gone? It has not gone to the building of the nation. We have tried to do everything. But where is it? Everybody walks around. We put money in our pockets. It has holes in it. You want to eat? There's never enough. You want to drink? There's never enough. Why? Because instead of building the nation, we built our paneled houses. Even in business. I can't tell you how many business people thought that the business that they were building was for their personal aggrandizement, their personal wealth. CEO means chief eating officer. Hmm? I believe that there is a wealth transfer coming. But I believe before we can obtain that wealth transfer, we need to repent of every area where our fathers before us have misappropriated, misused, misdistributed wealth. The enemy will use the iniquity of misappropriation and the misuse of finances as a legal reason, as a legal accusation before God to keep 
This wealth transfer from taking place and being released in this nation and in our lives. You know, I've heard it said, maybe you've heard this saying, Zimbabwe is too rich to be poor. Africa is too rich to be poor. And that's true. It's true. There is no greater wealth in the world than the continent of Africa. There is no greater wealth in the world than this nation right here. But if we're so rich, why are we so poor? Because there is an injunction against us. We had dedicated our nation not to Almighty God who gives us the power to get wealth. We have misappropriated the funds. Many of the funds that you do get are spent appeasing spirits, being consumed on things that they shouldn't be consumed upon, misappropriated. You see, it's not about wealth. It is about false covenants of darkness and the right of the devil to bind the wealth of nations. And he's bound up the nations of Africa. The nations of Africa's wealth have been bound. But it's our job to loose the fetters. It's our job to bring and pronounce judgments in the courts of law that unlock the wealth of nations, that unlock the wealth of Zimbabwe and Kenya and all of Africa. How many of you have met people in your bloodline, relatives? How many of you know of relatives or have people in your bloodline uh, and they tell you that at some point in time they had great wealth? Just raise your hand. Anybody, anybody had any of your family? Anybody? Wait, wait, wait. Keep your hands up. Look at it. There was great wealth in your family. There's great wealth in your family. How many of them still have that great wealth? Excuse me. Where are all those hands? One person. Wait, wait, wait. There was great wealth, and where is it? No, wait. We've got to, we've got to analyze this. We've got to look at this. Why is it? Why has this happened? You see, the enemy is using something that was mishandled or not stewarded properly properly, as legal tender against us to stop us from having wealth. Because he does not want to see the kingdom of God advanced. He will block us on every side. This affects individuals. As an individual, you can misappropriate funds and curse yourself. Let me tell you something. In this country, if somebody misappropriates, misuses, steals, or is fraudulent, they become what is called a specified person. They become a person that can no longer be entrusted with money. Legally, if you work with that person, you are committing fraud. 
They are specified. They are, they are, it is said of them that they cannot handle money, therefore do not work with them, and they must let you know that they are specified. Legally. Is that correct? Well, that's how it's supposed to work. Here you can steal again, just as much as you want to, and the, and the next guy will fall for you again. We have a nation of con men. But the truth is, they're cursing themselves in the courts of heaven because you're specified by the devil. He says, never can he have that. Don't entrust it to him. You can't bless him. He's a thief. He's a robber. He's a fraud. Now that can be undone in the courts of heaven. We can undo that. But just like on earth, it takes time to dismantle some of these things and it takes time to build trust again. But with heaven, it can be expunged in the courts of heaven and how God tells you to do that and the obedience that must be undertaken to make it happen. We had a young man here the other day and he told his testimony at our men's meeting of how he had gone out and was trying to have a, he went to a lady's farm and he said, listen, we'd like to have your cattle, your bulls, we'd like three of your bulls to get amongst our cattle so we can strengthen our breeding. She wouldn't do it. So they sent some of their friends out and said, hey, uh, there's a contamination in this area and uh, therefore we're taking cattle. And they stole the cattle under the guise of that, hey, this area is now under some kind of sanction. They stole this woman's cattle and they went and bred their, their cattle. But then he came to church and got born again. Three years later, he's so convicted that he goes to his brother who colluded with him. He says, I've got to go back and I've got to return this lady's cattle. And he says, do you know what the cost for stock theft is? He says, it's nine years for every beast. He says, that's 27 years. You're going to put your your life on the line for 27 years? But he was so convicted. We spoke a message on courage. And so he got the courage to go and face. And God was dealing with him. And in the courts of heaven, he needed to make restitution before God could bless him. And although his cattle had been blessed, his heart wasn't. So he went back and he found the lady and he took the three beasts that he'd stolen and five more. said, I want to apologize. I told his testimony. He's a believer now and God's dealing with him. I'm very sorry and would you forgive me? And she just broke down and she wept and she wept and she was uncontrollable, inconsolable. And after she finally composed herself, She told the story. She said, God used you to bless me. She says, soon after you took our cattle, a disease did come through this area. And all the cattle of the area were killed and died. She says, and for you to be bringing me back, the three plus the five, eight cattle, you've restored my wealth. You've restored me. God has used you to restore me. Now, 
God restored her wealth, but let me tell you something. What God did for this young man in our church, a thief, a Christian thief at that. But see, he had to get things right in the courts of heaven before blessing can continue in his life. Not only does it work for individuals, it works for families. There are families that have brought curses upon their families. It works for churches. There are churches that have cursed themselves through thieving. Pastors thinking the offering is theirs. Businesses. Where the owner of the business thinks it's his. Your business is not your business. Your business is an entity. You don't, you don't eat out of your business just because it's yours. You think it's yours. No, you created a business, but the business has an entity. You're there to protect the business according to the bylaws that you put around your business. And when you violate your own bylaws, when you begin to treat it as though you own it, that it's yours. You're violating the very principle of what you tried to build. You're building this for future generations. You're supposed to protect your business for future generations, but you're eating it and consuming it today, and you're eating the seed of the next generation. You're violating every principle. And governments are even worse. When a government, when the people who are the custodians of the government, the particular party that is in power at the time, believe that the government is theirs, that they own the government, that they are the government, have violated every principle of government that there is. They are only stewards of the government while they're in power. It's not theirs to consume everything upon themselves. When you make your department or your ministry your personal chow machine, which many of our ministers have done, and then you protect yourself through a crony system, you're destroying and you're bringing a curse upon yourself and upon the nation. Now don't shout me down because I'm preaching really good right now. So today, God is calling the church And calling you and I to begin to repent for ourselves, for our bloodlines. Anywhere where money, where wealth was misused or misappropriated. Anywhere where we were expecting much but received little. The reason this has happened is because somewhere we took the finances that were meant to build the kingdom of God. And we used them on ourselves. We used them to build our own houses, to to. To, to satisfy our own lusts, our own desires, our own pride, our own uh, capacity for power. And, then, and we, what we've done is we've opened the door for the enemy to have a legal precedent and a right to bind our resources and to bind our wealth and to keep the prosperity that is due to our family, to ourselves, to our businesses, and to our nation from happening, and even to our churches. But if we'll repent, if we'll get before the throne room of heaven, we can turn this thing around. Lord, forgive us. Do a work in our hearts so that we can be entrusted with wealth, that we can be entrusted with a wealth transfer. My third point, the third thing that keeps 
wealth from being transferred. The third thing that the enemy uses to keep wealth from us is wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking will allow the devil to keep you from receiving a wealth transfer. Proverbs 29 says, or excuse me, Proverbs 23 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is. We know that famous passage of scripture. But this verse that we quote, that we know so well, have you ever read the context of it? The context is in the context of money. Let me read the context. Proverbs 23, verses 5 through 7. Will you set your eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Eat thou not the bread of him that has an evil eye. The evil eye is somebody who is uh, miserly. Somebody who is begrudgingly giving things. but with, that, that hoards things. That's a hoarder. Envious. Eat not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he, but in his heart he's not with you. Now the truth of that is that we are what we are in our hearts, not what we say. But the context is that it's in the realm of miserliness. This man is saying, oh, eat, have a great meal. Meanwhile, he despises you for eating his food. Hoarding things up is not spiritual. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is connected to this miserly spirit. God does not give wealth for you to hoard. He doesn't give it so you can store it up. No, he gives you wealth so that you can use it. What do we use it for? To meet necessary needs, to have greater influence, to extend God's reformational power, and to enjoy. The Bible says that he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And wealth to the hoarder. No, there's no hoarding. Don't hoard the wealth. Don't be a miser. There are cesspools called banks that hoard wealth. Insurance companies, they hoard wealth. They provide a service, but they have no desire except to hoard wealth. And they become cesspools of evil. Impoverishing people, not really blessing people in many cases. I watch this in our own nation. You don't have to have a lot to be a hoarder. Are you listening to me? I've learned that there's a blessing to having a free flow of giving and receiving. So let me just close out today with three quick points that concern wrong thinking about finance. With wrong thinking about finance, this will keep you in a state of poverty unless you check them and you deal with them in your life, in your family, in your business, in our churches, or in the business of the nation. First, the first 
idea concerning wrong thinking is confidence in our flesh. Jeremiah 17 verses 5 and 6 says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places in the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. You see, the person with this mindset, the person who trusts in the flesh, will not see wealth when it comes. What it really means is you're going to miss opportunities. Opportunities to prosper, opportunities for success, opportunities of going to the next level. You're going to miss those because you won't see them because your trust is in the flesh. Here's how the person of the flesh begins to speak. Those people that are trusting in the flesh say things like this. Oh, the risk is too big. I can't do that. So it goes right by them. The opportunity goes right by them. They can't even see the opportunity. In fact, they're not looking for the opportunity because most of these people that are trusting in the flesh can only see what they can do. They're so narrow, they're so narrow-minded that they can see with both eyes through a keyhole. But there's somebody else that'll say, I'll take that risk. And they take it and they prosper. The very same risk. You see, when you trust in the confidence of your flesh, instead of making decisions out of the Spirit of God, you limit what God can do in your life. You limit your source. It's God who gives you the power to get wealth. But if you don't look to God, you can't have that power. And if you're only looking to what you can do, you're going to miss God. One of the keys to getting wealth is recognizing an opportunity when it's there. You know, one of my greatest things in my life is that I've been able to hear and see opportunities. But I have a really open heart. I have an open heart to people. I have an open heart to what God can do. I serve a really big God. And I'm always listening. People say, Ben, you have an ability to connect people. Well, you know what? That ability isn't so much my ability to connect people as much as it is my ability to listen and, and, and understand that, that, I, that, hey, I may not get blessed, but I think I have a blessing for you and there's one for you. And if I put you two together, there may be a great blessing for the body of Christ. Yeah. On the other hand, if you're only thinking about you and what you can get, and how much you can have, and how much you can control. You build little companies that you can control, that you have every, and you have all the ability to manage, and you never have to trust God, you never have to trust another individual, and you never have to have faith, because if you can do it, you don't need faith. Because faith comes in when you can't do it, and you need to trust somebody bigger than you. So trusting in yourself, and trusting in your flesh, and trusting in your degree will limit you. And gives the devil access to what God would love you to have. Number, the second thing is, sometimes we believe that God is a socialist. 
that's a common feeling in Africa. You grew up under socialist governments that promises you all the time, free, 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 free. How many of you know there's no free education? There is no such thing as free education. Oh, I know we promise it to you, but it's not free. How many of you know there's no free, free, free health care? See, I can promise you all those things, but you know, somebody has to pay for it. And even if you got it for free, somebody paid for it. But if you believe that that's how things work, that hey, you think that because somebody else has something, you have the right to the same thing without having to do the same work or making the same effort to get it. A lot of people right here in the church, you believe that. You feel like you're entitled to it. Why? Well, I'm a Zimbabwean. I'm a king. I'm a king's kid. You think that God should just spread everything around evenly, equally for everybody. You see, the socialist mantra is always about redistribution of wealth. Robin Hood, steal from the rich and give to the poor. Until there's no more rich people. Then where do we get it? Oh, we start selling our soul to the devil instead of letting God produce through us. But the Bible is so contrary to this. Throughout the Bible, there's, there's, there's two stories. One called the story of the talents. The other called the story of the minas. In Luke 19, 23, we see uh, th- that story. And I don't have time to go into it in depth. But you know what God does. In both cases, he gives to, the, to three different people different amounts of wealth according to their ability. According to their ability. To one he gives five, to one three, and to one one. In the other case, ten, five, and, and, and two or something. I, but he's he giving according to their ability. And in, in Luke 19, 23 through 25, it says, he comes and he's saying, I'm checking on what you did with what I gave you. And he gets to the last guy who buried his talent. And he says, then why... Did you put, why didn't you, why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back I could have at least collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And this is what they say. Sir, they said, he already has ten minas. That's the socialist thinking. Why would you give it to the guy with ten? That's not fair. Why isn't that fair? See, both of these parables, the parable of the time, talents and the minus, and by the way, a talent in our modern economy would be worth about $1.5 million. A talent would be between 10000 and 15000 U.S. dollars. Or a, a, a talent would be one point five. A minor would be between ten and $15,000. And he says, take it away from him that has the... Take the one away from him and give it to the one who has the ten. Why would Jesus say that? Because there's a mentality that is destroying people and that's keeping them from wealth. They think that they deserve something that they don't deserve. God does not redistribute wealth. God is not redistributing wealth. He gives us the power to get wealth. You know, the power works on the inside of you. 
We heard it last night with Dr. Kiryuki. He was talking about the power to conceive. Conceive. But before you can do anything, you have to conceive. What is it that you've conceived? What is the idea? What is the dream? And I've talked a lot about dreams in our church. But what is your dream? What have you conceived? Is it a dream from heaven? Or is it some selfish, sniveling little thing that you want just for yourself to consume upon yourself? But once you have a dream from heaven, once you have something you've conceived, how many of you know it doesn't start there, stop there? Then you have to carry that dream for the gestation period. Some dreams take longer than others. A baby takes nine months. An empire takes 30 years, 50 years, 100 years, 500 years. A business. I always tell most business people, if you're not prepared to spend a minimum of two years to five years to establish it, don't go into it. There's a gestation period. Then you have to give birth to it. But how many of you know that after you gave birth to it, then you have to nurture it. You have to take care of it. Grow it. Pay school fees for it. Send it to university. It never stops. It's easy to obtain. It's hard to maintain. Everybody wants one, but you never know what to do with it when you get it. How many know marriage? It's easy to obtain a wife. It's hard to maintain a wife. As it is in the birth process, so it is reflected also in the agricultural process. The Bible says that seed time and harvest will never come to an end. This is God's principle. He, he, never, he never says, hey, boom, take a bunch of wealth. Everyone I ever know that received an inheritance without being prepared for it lost it all. Everyone I've ever known who received their company from their father, the business from their father, and were not trained in it, lost it. Everyone I ever knew that received a large sum of money that they weren't really disciplined about building their company ended up spending it on a Mercedes-Benz, a $2,000 suit, a $500 pair of glasses, walked around for two years looking like they were hot stuff and lost everything. Because they didn't understand the principle of seed time and harvest. Everything God does, he starts with a seed. Whether it's a baby a dream, an idea, or a crop. But before that crop can germinate, you first of all must prepare the soil. Prepare the soil. Then you must plant the seed. Then you must water the seed. Then you must weed the field, tend the field, care for the field. Then you wait for the growth or the maturation process to begin to take place. First the seed, then the blade, then the ear, then the full kernel in the ear. Then finally, after all of that, there's a harvest. But then you still have to get that harvest to market. You still have to get that harvest to a place where it can benefit you. It's never easy. It's never about self-consumption. So if you want... To trust, if you want God to trust you to do something, what I'm telling you is do something with what you have already.
Stop trying to do something with what you don't have. I have people that put elaborate business plans together. We only need $350 million to do this project. Okay, show me your successes. What did you do with a million? Oh, I've never had a million. Well, what did you do with 100,000? Well, I've never had 100,000. Well, what did you do with 10,000? I've never had 10,000. Well, what are you doing? (laughs) You want me to give you $350 million, but you have never managed 10,000 properly? Do something with what you have, and God will trust you with more. God is not giving wealth, but he's giving the power to get wealth. God is giving you ideas, which is more important than the wealth itself. Things that you can be faithful at. That you are, that these things are already within your reach. They're within your power. He says, I give you power. Well, where is that power? It's within your reach. Don't reach for something that's outside of your power. Reach within your power. See what you can do with what you got. And see where God will take you from there. What do you have already? What's within your hand? What's within your reach? Do something with it. When you do, he'll trust you with more. Amen? Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.